0: to the new world pictures podcast bonus episode i am ryan with me as always is mark i love a good bonus episode and erica bonus episode (laughs) and this is a very special bonus episode because this one took at least five to six months to set up now back in march for those of you who are real uh nwpp heads (laughs) <laughs> wait what nice new wait. world picture podcast uh, penises uh, heads. heads 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 for listeners that have that remember back to to um, to March we talked about a little movie called Girls Just Want to Have Fun we did and um, we had a friend Jessica Young on and we talked about that movie and I had found out through research that uncredited a TV comedy writer named Janice Hirsch had actually written a lot of the script, but she's not credited. She's credited for something totally different, but not credited as the writer of that film. And so I followed her, found her on Twitter. Followed as as her, everybody does. As everyone, and, and as it's everyone it's never does. It's, it's never creepy. It's it's not, never creepy. Somehow not, it's not. Never weird. was not interpreted by her as creepy. I wrote her, and then we started setting up this interview, and I was so delighted and so happy. Janice Hirsch is, well, Mark said it best. Yeah, it's it, we're, we talked with Comedy Royalty. Yeah, yeah. she's Comedy Royalty. And yeah. she has worked from starting out working at National Lampoon to going into uh, a, TV, a sitcom that we talked about at the time, we talked with Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Square Pegs, to going on to write for Murphy Brown, and It's a Gary Shandling Show, and Frasier, and more, more recently, Hacks, which at the time we talked to Janice, Hacks had not won Emmys, but the Emmys have come by and now Hacks is an Emmy winning show, but we were not at the time. So we won't be talking about how it won Emmys, but I did congratulate her on the Emmys. And she said, I'm about five degrees away from that Emmy, but I was still excited. But but we'll talk to her a little bit about Hacks and also talk to her about girls just want to have fun and a bunch of other things. No, I was just going to say in typical NWPP form, we were a little late or a little too early on what could have been timely news for one of our guests <laughs> yes yes we talked with her in front of the emmys not even thinking about the emmys coming up but um, cuz we were we so a- engrossed in our own bullshit <laughs> as we are you can that's a guarantee here at the NWPP we will be engrossed in off our, the engrossed in our own it, it in our own bullshit. At the <laughs> Nwpp. And uh, we had a slight issue with our Zoom on this interview. Um, Mark specifically, I had an issue with <laughs> well, Zoom. Well, okay, it's a good thing I don't work in computers. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Mark. Oh no, Mark doesn't know what he does for a living. Um, <laughs> he will. He will come onto the into the interview a little bit into it and explain what happened. But we miss a little bit of the, just a smidge of the beginning. So when we start our interview here with Janice, she's explaining about how she basically talked herself into working at National Lampoon. So that's where we start out this interview. We were so thrilled to talk to Janice. She was so awesome. She's the best. We adore Janice Hirsch on this podcast. And uh, so here's Janice talking about how she talked herself into working for National
1: Lampoon. And he said... um... Do you want to work on it? And I went, Yeah. And he said, Well, you could sell group sales, and group sales, you know, I made $56 in my first three months. So my mother was really proud of me and proud of that college education. And then, um, and then when, <laughs> when lemmings when lemmings closed, I would go in every day, I'd go into the Lampoon office, and um The Lemmings floor was up on the floor where they had a magazine called New Ingenue, which Ingenue means new, so it was whatever. But that's where I (laughs) met Lisa Bernbach, Preppy Handbook. That's where Lisa was an intern. She was was at Barnard or Brown or someplace, an intern. Anyway, I wrote a memo. Like, I must have seen that in the movie because I didn't know what a memo was. I wrote a memo to the chairman of the board, to Maddie Simmons at the Lampoon, And said this is ridiculous I'm I'm here every day I'm and I'm so capable excuse me I I can do all this work I know publicity and I knew he had done publicity so I knew that was sort of my sweet spot and so I said you know I did publicity in summer stock and I can do that for you I can be your liaison I didn't I had to look up how to spell liaison. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I didn't know what any of this stuff meant, but I just wrote all the things I could do. And he went, okay. And I got $125 a week, which take home was $95.62. And that was a job. I had a job. And that's how I talked myself into it. And then I just did whatever nobody else wanted because there were only, you know, there were only like, uh, I love your background.
0: Um, what happened uh, mark uh so my computer crashed and i had to like grab another computer this computer i have a background on evidently which i didn't (laughs) take down beforehand so we're just gonna let this ride
1: um so anyway so uh uh i just did whatever you know there was one girl there was one girl i was a girl who xeroxed I did. I booked like when they wanted to do speaking tours for Doug Kenny after um, the high school yearbook parody, which I am in. You were in, yes. Um, and only that because I went up to Doug and I said, I want to work on this. And he said, well, what can you do? And I went, "Ah," And he said, well, you know, you, you, you use crutches. I had polio as a it Child And he said, you, you use crutches and we want to have a handicapped kid because there was always a handicapped kid in every school. Can we borrow your crutches? And I went, well, I come with them. You know, I really, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I got, that's how I got that. And then my job was to like c- call the kids and tell them when to show up on a sat because they, they did it for free on Saturday mornings. That was it. it, it yeah.
0: Was John Belushi working there at the same time? Because I know he
1: started taking over the radio show. Was yeah. he working there around the same time, basically? will see, because he was in Lemmings. And then, and then after Lemmings, Michael O'Donoghue wanted to do this radio hour. So I worked on that, you know, like calling places and saying, do you want a free radio show? We'll and we would mail them. We would mail them giant audio tapes. Just go out on, on, <laughs> on, on, on and spend a fortune. I mean, that's how it worked. <laughs> so they could sell advertising. And so John worked on it that first year. And then when Michael O'Tonoghue quit, was fired, quit, uh, then John took over. And then that's when John called, because it was every week it was casting and they just all these different radio voices. And then when John took over, he got, he called Gilda Radner, Billy Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, his brother, Harold Ramis, Joe Flaherty from. Uh, SCTV and and then Paul Jacobs would do the music or or maybe it was maybe that was um, Paul Schaefer but anyway uh, but those were the writers and then they would just improv and write the stuff like they did the the, you know Second City was it was fascinating to watch it really was.
0: Yeah if only uh, any of them had had longer careers
1: um, <laughs> yeah, if it's a documentary about a dead funny person, I'm in it. Going, I remember the time.
0: <laughs> I actually saw the uh, the John Belushi documentary that you're in, um, and and you tell a story about how you lent him three hundred dollars so he could go audition for Animal
1: House. Yeah, because I was the only one. Even with my ninety five sixty two, I was I was I had a savings account because that was how I was raised. In Trenton, New Jersey, mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't have count. and so he borrowed the money from, me and he paid me back. Absolutely, okay, absolutely. wow, absolutely paid me back. Wait, was he a good coworker, John Belushi, or he was so good to me? I loved him. His wife, well, longtime girlfriend and wife Judy, Jacqueline Belushi. Judy and I always shared. She worked at the Lampoon, and we always shared an office, a cubicle, wasn't even an office, and so we were close, and then. We would have, someone would yell DTC for downtown cab. And John and Judy lived on Perry Perry Street. Maybe it was Christopher or Perry, I think Perry Street. And I, I lived on 12th and Gilda Radner lived on Charles. So we would take a downtown cab together. But he was always, I mean, he was, he was great. I just loved him. And, uh, you know, he'd be late for work because the cat fell asleep on his lap and she looked too cute. So he couldn't move.
0: (laughs) So when you, did you leave from New York to go to LA to start working as a writer or
1: how did. Yeah, I I was, I wanted, I had met somebody who was a now movie producer, but he was a a young uh, manager of actors. And I was doing publicity for the Scarlet Letter. And there was an actress on the show and he handled the actress and he called me and I said, can she go to Boston? Can we have her for these dates for free and all this stuff? And she went back and said, and she and another friend, me Kennedy said um, to to Erwin Stoff, you should meet her. And so he came to New York one day and we met and he, after spending a day together, he went, you should try writing for television. Now, I thought I was fairly sophisticated. I mean, but New Jersey Trenton, but I mean, I went to New York all the time as a kid with my family and I always, I said, write for television, you mean like the Today Show? <laughs> <laughs> no, you moron. So he went back and sent me scripts and this was typewriter days. And so I read some scripts because I was supposed to write two spec scripts and I counted. And I would go like, okay, so down the page, and that's where you put the person's name who speaks. And then there's a joke, and then somebody else, okay, there's another joke. Okay, it's about three jokes a page. Okay, and this is where you make an act break, and this is where a scene is. In, uh, that's how I did it. Oh, wow. so, so I wrote two specs, and uh, and I, a friend of mine was, was working as a stand-in, for a show that was being shot in New York with Tony Randall. He was Tony Randall stand So he invited me to the Christmas party. And instead of buying a dress, I wrote another spec script. And I went to the Christmas party and I schmoozed the producers. And this is before there were shows really shot in New York, you know, sitcoms, but Tony had that way; He and Susie Kurtz. And, um, and then before I left, I went, Here's a script I wrote. Okay, bye. And then you know, like scraped food into the from the dessert table into my purse and left. <laughs> and I didn't hear from them. This was Christmas. I didn't hear from them. They called me one day in March, and said we're coming back because they they spent a third of the time in L in New York, a third in uh, Los Angeles, and then another third back in New York. And they said we're coming back to New York for six episodes. Do you want to work on it? And I went, yeah. So I was doing publicity, and 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 I just—that was a Thursday. I went my first um, my first day at work. I wore what I used to wear as a New York publicist, and we handled clients like Exxon and IBM for the art, you sure, know, for, sure. to get rid of their blood money, you know. So I wore <laughs> a silk blouse with one of those big tie things that women used to wear to make mm-hmm. them look like men but feminine, and a little suit. And boots, and I had I bought a briefcase because I thought that would be important to have. <laughs> that's a, a writer, you know, mark and then I wore my fur chubby. I had a little fur coat, a little fur chubby. It was I bought it because it was called a, it was a blonde beaver, and I just thought, well, that's I have to buy this coat. You know, it's just too good. Of course. And yeah. they looked at me like I had come from Mars. And <laughs>
0: the, next I,
1: the next day, I wore jeans and a t-shirt. And I was much happier. <laughs> You just it's
0: had funny. to tell them that that's how, that's how everybody dressed at the Lampoon. So you just yeah, game in with briefcases. Yeah, well,
1: yes, because after the Lampoon, was... then I did publicity. Right, so then, sure, I, right. So then I had to go buy lady clothes after the Lampoon. <laughs> and then I had to go buy my, my teenage boy clothes. That <laughs>
0: so had you done any writing at all at the Lampoon? Like even when you're working on the yearbook? Were, they you write...
1: would let me, um, Sean Kelly let me write the true facts column. Which was basically me going to the library and reading uh, the San Francisco, one of the San Francisco papers, because they had all those little things, you know, like a, a woman tried to kill herself and she, sh- but she was wearing rollers and it bounced off her roller. And her husband, <laughs> and that kind of thing. So I got to do that, but but um, not really. I mean, they wouldn't. I didn't write a piece. Right. You know, okay. Like, I, just, I never read a long piece. The length when I was there for three years, I never read a single piece.
0: So, once you're like working on uh, in New York on that show, and you, once you find out how you're how you dress, that's like your first, your first real uh, experience writing
1: basically. At that that point, was my, right? my first experience, and I didn't get a script. I mean, because there was only six weeks that I was a term writer, but then John Belushi died that year, and I had called around to find out where the funeral was, and I'd left word for the late Ann Beats, who was uh, from the Lampoon. And she was one of the people I left word for till I found out the information. So that was in March. And then in June, my phone rang at three o'clock in the morning. And these were the days when you answered your phone at three o'clock in the morning. Right. And it was Anne standing in line. I'm sure to do Coke in the ladies' room at the at the Odeon downtown, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> and she said, Um, John Belushi's being buried three months ago. And we huh, oh, yeah, we left. And then she said, Um, I, I, I said, where were you? You weren't there? And she said, no, I was doing a pilot in uh, L.A. And it got picked up. And I didn't know what those words specifically meant, but I could tell from her mood it was good. So um, <laughs> she said, um, do you want to do publicity on it? And I went, well, I'm not a publicist now. I'm a writer. Because I had been six weeks on a show as a term writer, uncredited term writer. And she went, okay, do you want to be a writer? And I went, wow, yeah. And she went, Okay. I'm, oh, I, I'm my turn. I'll call you later. That's how I got wow. my turn. I answered the phone. Wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah,
0: great. Yeah, and I I was just watching uh, Square Pegs. Uh, I was actually watching an episode of yours today. Square- Because I was a big fan of it growing up. Mark and I were oh, both big yeah. fans of it. Huge fan uh, of it. It, it. doesn't hold up, does it? I, I think it does, actually. Oh, I, think, okay. I think I uh, think the laugh track is... Uh, like, if it was made today, I think it wouldn't have a laugh track. No,
1: CBS insisted on
0: that. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think that that's the only thing that makes it somewhat uh, kind of dated. But it's not like they don't use laugh tracks today either. Right. Um,
1: no, yeah, and, and the problem is also and having trained on SNL. Where everyone produced their own little segment. Right. So we never worked in a room. We never worked in a writer's room. So we oh. were wildly uneven. You know, in, in one person's mm. script, you know, Patty would have a brother in another person's script. She would have a sister in another person's script. She was an orphan. You know, it just was all right. nothing was cohesive. But now, I had a ball.
0: Well, Square I was Pegs, Square Pegs was the first show where I realized that a show that I really loved could suddenly be canceled. And I was so <laughs> perplexed. Like, I thought everyone loved the show. I thought I was in great company. Were, were you surprised that it ended as quickly as it did? No, uh,
1: no, I wasn't. I, um, what they would have done today, like, I don't know, could you hear that helicopter I could no. yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you, is it a ride? Do you need to get going?
1: Yeah, it's my ride.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, Are they landing on the yeah. roof right now?
1: <laughs> what um what would have happened today is Anne would have been fired, and they would have brought on somebody else. She didn't know how to do it. There were a lot of drugs, mm. and nobody told her. There was nobody there to say, you know, like now they have like somebody else there saying, you know, it's better if we do it this way, it's better if we do, there was no one there because she was the 2000 pound gorilla. And then like it got so bad that there was a, um, uh, a note session with the head of the studio and the network and, and said none of what they said was true. You know, I don't remember any of those notes, so, they had to get a courtroom stenographer.
0: Mm, wow. <laughs> and so this woman was
1: just doing this. And then you'd get the notes would be that, you know, would be a foot thick. Wow. And wow. That was no way to run a show. No. no. Yeah. No. So, so, so yeah. I
0: would, but I was watching the Christmas episode today and there was a mm-hmm. reference in it to Tony Randall. And I was like, is that a subtle reference to your beginnings? Was that something that you. I want. <laughs> the next role is a character part, really. In another time, another place, I could see Tony Randall tackling it. But I thought, oh, how funny, because you had wor- gotten your start on a Tony Randall show. I thought, well, that, that
1: might have been a reference of yours. Well, here's the the. Uh, uh, I, I promise I won't wax anecdotal, but the Christmas <laughs> show was perfect example that Marge Gross and I were writing it together. She was Margie, the late Margie Gross, was the. Funniest writer ever. So we were doing it together and it was a half hour episode. It was just an episode. And when we finished that morning, we were going to go, it was, we were shooting it right before Thanksgiving break. And then Marge was going to go fly to Toronto. I was going to go fly back to New Jersey. And Anne came in and said, great news. The network has approved this episode to be an hour long episode. (laughs) And we went, (laughs) What? We have, 20, <laughs> we have twenty-eight pages here and we're done. We're gonna go home. We're to leaving tomorrow. And she said, I'll help you every each of the way. Go to my house. She was renting a house like Sunset Boulevard in um in in Beverly Hills. And uh she said, Go to my house and I'll be I'll come home and I'll help you and we'll get through this. And so Marjorie and I go, All right. So we go to her house and the housekeeper sets us up not in an office but in the bar. And so we had like little rattan bar stools and a portable typewriter. And we kept going, we're hungry. And she'd bring us a can of tuna with some crackers. I mean, it was so fun. <laughs> Anne gets home from work and says, now we're gonna help. Cause Margie and I were just, we were padding. We didn't have a story. There was no more story. We had told what we wanted to tell. So Anne came in and said, I am gonna help you, but you know what, I'm getting a haircut in a sec. So let me get my haircut and then I'll be helping. You. Uh, okay, fine. So she comes back down, she goes, isn't it great? I'm just gonna take a shower then, okay, I'll take a shower. Then as she's talking to us, and she was really smart. She's talking to us, the doorbell rings and she goes, oh, my dinner party, we went, what? Oh yeah, I will. But I this dinner party has been on the books forever. I couldn't. So then we hear, and it's like one of those nineteen thirties movies where you hear clanking silverware and glasses clinking, and and other people going, oh, and you're in there crying and trying to tighten, sitting on these rattan bar stools. So we finish that. She the dinner party ends. She comes in. She said, "You're not going to believe this." We go, "What?" And she said, i got tickets for the Billy Idol concert. And we went, Great. And when is it? Tonight. Okay. Uh, but, I'll, but as soon as the concert's over, I'll come back and I'll help you every inch of the way. <laughs> so now Margie and, I, Margie and I are just, she, Margie's just laying flat on the floor. She can't even move. And <laughs> I'm just trying to find something to say. So now it's like whatever time a Billy Idol concert is over, 2, 2.30 in the morning? I don't know. She comes in. She goes, okay, let's get this done. She said, Great. <laughs> she said, now, I have to wait because my Coke dealer um, is watching Song of Bernadette on TV. So <laughs> as soon as that movie's over, then she'll come. And we went enjoy here's what we've got so far and we just left for the air, for the airport i mean it was
0: was she saying like wait where are you going why are you leaving so, now you
1: know, she knew she'd get it and she just wrote whatever she wrote okay
0: yeah she was wow. still keeping snl hours it looks it sounds like
2: yeah yeah
0: i was gonna ask uh, did you get to know sarah jessica parker while working on square pegs i to know that she that. she Called you out specifically for girls just want to have fun. So I didn't know if that's where it started. No, no, I called her into girls.
2: The girls of Holy Grace have a reputation to uphold. Dayo, say day, you say day, you say day, you say
0: Oh, yes, okay. Yes,
1: yes. I um used to drive because Sarah, Jessica's mother, you know, they were both. Not, she was a minor, so her mother was out with Sarah and her little brother, and Sarah shared a room with her little brother while starring in a television show and wow. through the school, and then Jamie Gertz, her mother was out with her little brother, and they were staying at the Oakwood Apartments on Barm, and we had to be at work because it was single camera. We had to be at work at like 5.30 or six. And because it was freeways and i had been in New York all those years, I said, I will drive the girls. So the moms can come in when the boys get up and get them ready. And that way I miss the traffic. Mm -hmm. So I would drive them to to work every day. Uh, And she is the most wonderful human being on the earth. She is just smart, kind, hardworking. she would, would she'd be studying lines while she was ironing the family's clothes in the Oakwood Garden Apartments. Hmm. She did all the ironing. I mean, and it was never never like I have to do this. Mm-mm. That's what you did.
0: When so when you uh so you then start writing girls just want to have fun. That did that happen during Square Pegs or
1: after Square Pegs it was canceled? Was after. I think it was during the Olympics. It was during the 84 Olympics. And um I honestly don't remember how I first got to meet uh, the, the director and the producer, Chuck Russell and Alan Metter. I don't remember how we met, but we met and they were paying me for a punch up, you know, I got $3,000, but how fun was that? Because they were starting to shoot. They, so it had been a drama that I'd never read um, by the, Credited writer, and then called Diaz and Dance, and then they bought the rights to the Cindy Lauper song. So now okay. they to make it okay. a comedy. Got it. So that's that's when I got the call. So and I and started.
0: you at this at this point you're working on a Double Trouble basically at this point I or think
1: it, May it, well the Olympics I don't remember you'll know better than not. I I maybe because <laughs> we did take you know everybody took time off for the Olympics because you know traffic yeah but, um, it shut down the whole city Uh the horror so um <laughs> so when bruce jenner and uh oj carried the torch um, <laughs> um i i we pitched it out and i saw what the story was i mean it's a simple story and it looked like it was going to be a lot of fun and then they started to cast and i said and helen hunt was first they cast her first oh okay and then they were starting to look for her for Sarah's part, and I went. You really got to see this girl I worked with in Square Pegs. Yeah, and that's how she got there. Wow. And, and then, so, yeah, we, and, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. So that's and then and then it was Jonathan Silverman. It was Shannon Doherty.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Um,
1: and it was uh, uh uh that the cute boy who never went anywhere. Lee, Lee Montgomery. Lee. Where would he go? Yeah. Nowhere. So he's
0: he's now doing uh, real estate up in Solvang, I believe. <laughs>
1: God bless him. Lovely boy, but yeah. Um, and 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 you know when like Robert Downey made it a cameo in yeah. the dancing because he and Sarah were dating at that point. right. So it was just I would write, we would talk about what they were going to shoot, then I would go home and I'd write it longhand on legal pad. Because by then I had a computer, but I didn't know how to use it. They're really hard. <laughs> and then I would, then after I finished what they were going to do, I would drive it over to the typist, leave it on her door in West Hollywood. And then she would type it up and then the, they would get the script and then it would be the next morning. And I'd go to the set that morning, you know, and then we'd talk about it. If there were any punches that t- should be made. And then they tell me what to write for the next day. And I'd go home and do that, and that's how we did it every day.
0: So you were tasked basically with turning it. For, it was a drama. You're saying initially more of a drama. I never
1: read. I was never. I was, I was never shown the script.
0: Or oh, okay. Or, you or, never saw the original script. No. But did you have? So did you create the characters that there, or were they? Did you keep? Did you? So you created all of the characters. I didn't know. I,
1: I don't know who the characters were. No, I created them.
0: Okay. Wow. So so wh-
1: how come you're not credited as the writer? What happened there? I am now on a committee of the Writers Guild and I am elevated on it uh, that adjudicates these things. They, the Writers Guild ruled that I, it was a story, it originally was a story about a girl who wanted to go to a dance contest and her father didn't want her to. Mm-hmm. And what I wrote was a story about a girl wanting to go to a dance co- contest and her father wouldn't let her. I think now the rules are slightly different. I think I would have gotten Share credit, but that's why I have right. that production credit. And there's also a poster uh, in the back there that is. Oh no, that's the Square Pegs. That's is that the girls' <laughs> one? Oh no, down there, next to next to me, making googly eyes it, by the lamp is a is a Square Pegs ad that they. I mean, a girls' ad they took in uh, Variety. Oh, cool! Thank you, know, thank you, me. me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, awesome. So, so, so basically they were, you were writing to what they were
1: shooting that day. So you're. you're I'd write... write the next day. I'd write, they tell me what they were going to do. And then I go, okay. Cause they had it all. They had the sets basically. And they weren't really sets. I mean, it was a lot of outdoor stuff.
0: Right. So they basically kept the structure of whatever was there before, which you never saw.
1: And I then you would, it. but you would just
0: write the scripts for whatever that moment was that, that they were going to shoot. <laughs>
1: And if I said that Helen Hunt's character had had plastic dinosaurs in her hair, it would show up the next day. It was wow, yeah, it was cool.
0: So you had a lot of interaction then too, because um, you're only listed as a production consultant, but you were there on the set pretty much every day. I went every Uh,
1: morning to figure out to see everybody. Yeah, to get free food.
0: um, (laughs) I I do. I I do have a dream that there's a there's a spinoff. That just follows the talent coordinator guy who was did the recruiting out in the park for all the dancing talent, yeah, and then was. Yeah. I, I just feel like that character could have been explored yeah, in a whole yeah. other universe. Uh-huh. I would I would easily bought a ticket or two for that yeah. one.
1: Yeah, no, no, believe me, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> yeah, I believe. I, yeah.
0: He was definitely a little bit, maybe a little bit inspired from Ann Beats, a little bit, because I remember that scene where he's off coffee and he goes, Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> because he's already. Sorry, well, speeded up.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. No, I mean, we, you know, again, yeah, I could do stuff, and I, I, I think probably the director and I don't know about the producer might have been a little speeded up themselves, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you, was it, uh, were you tasked to set it in Chicago? Was that your
0: decision or was that, my my theory was uh, uh, Chuck, Chuck Russell was the producer. He was from Chicago and yeah. he had loved Second City and he was always obsessed with that. And so uh, and, and so, I thought it was maybe him that came up with the Chicago. Yeah, I, I don't think
1: I came up with Chicago.
0: Okay. Cause then it's all shot in LA and very, yeah. 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 So yeah. I wasn't sure why. And I didn't understand why the nation's number one show was shot in Chicago. Well, there was a show in Baltimore in Hairspray,
1: you know. Okay, you know? oh, okay. That's
0: true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So how much, when you're making all the changes and writing the scripts coming in every day, how much input are you getting? Or are they just going, great, looks good, let's shoot it? Wow.
1: Yeah, I mean, once yeah. in a while, like they'd go, can you look at this joke? Cause she just read it and it's not as good. And so then I'd look and I'd punch it up. But no, it was, it was one of those magical things where there was no input. There was no studio input. There was no, you know, they're paying me $3,000. They got what they got. I wasn't yeah. going to do it 17 more times, although I would have, because it was such a blast. Right, but right. nobody, we didn't have the luxury of time. We had a very tight right. shooting schedule, and we just did it. Huh, and did you get along well with uh, with Alan Metter, the director, oh, and? Great, I still have the contractor that he turned me on to, um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Alan was a great guy, and uh, Chuck was so good to me. And I- I'm telling you, I don't except for the credit thing. I don't have one one unhappy story. It every day was a blast. Do you know, do you know why Cindy Lauper isn't singing the song in in the? She
0: the the version that they bought was just from the song writer, and she wouldn't allow her
1: version to be used for the film, like her. Because- she didn't like the movie Chud, which was mm-hmm. a new, remember, wait, wasn't that, wait, it? that That was a New I World did. Pictures movie, yes. It's a New yeah. World Picture, and she yeah. had just seen Chud, and she didn't like it, so she said no, because of Chud. Really? That that's is what amazing. I was told. She's never, she is, I have never met her, she has never told me that personally, but that's what I was told. <laughs> oh it, my it gosh, to, that's incredible. It had to do with Chud.
0: <laughs> that is that, wow. wow that is the best <laughs> inside story that I have ever heard. makes me like Cindy
1: Lopper even more. <laughs> <That was laughs> I know, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you love her? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it
0: also had something to do with the fact that maybe they would have to pay her a bit more because they were buying it from the songwriter.
1: Yeah, know? and that could have been it too. But the but the story I, I heard was that was Chuck. Did
0: you have any interaction? Speaking of New World Pictures, did you have any interaction with the studio at all? Or did you just deal directly? I did
1: when, it, when I was when the Writers Guild was denying me credit and they they paid for a big time LA lawyer.
0: Really? Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, to yeah, to support me in, oh, in, 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 in the in the credit thing, credit issue. Oh, that's great. Oh, um, they, were they were good
0: to me. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, lastly, I just, you know, at about girls just want to have fun. This is kind of a personal issue, but Mirror Image, the dance group at the end, do you feel like they were maybe cheated a bit out of the competition? I uh, Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, look, I know it's a movie and like we have to see her here in but like they were so good. Like, it, it, <laughs> did I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. Do you think you know, maybe- I
1: mean, Go back and look at Idol and see who won and who came in second, yeah. you know? this, is, this is
0: a great, that's a fair point. That's a fair for point. We just okay. Have to
1: do that. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, they just, mm-hmm. they won me over. I, I, that's all <laughs> I can say. They won me over as a viewer. I mean, I obviously was was all for Sarah Jessica Parker winning, but I mean, oh, then I see them and I'm like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> really it's a real really curveball. They were very good. They were
1: very good. That's so funny. <laughs> God, I haven't even thought of that name in <laughs> <laughs> That's really good.
0: Um, so from there, did you go did did this lead you to working on Stranded, which is this TV movie that you did a couple years later? Well, what I did
1: that deal Disney Studios, or maybe it was touched on, it was one of those Disney things, um liked girls. And so they called the credited writer whom I've never met. They called her and said, will you send us the script? And she had every right to send the shooting script because it still had her name on it. Mm -hmm. And um, she sent them her original script and they read it and went, oh, well, well, we don't want this person. <laughs> and so then they called me and I, I you know, I got like a, a three picture deal. I mean, there were little pitty beady, beady pictures, but they were, you know, I got a deal at Disney and I got some other stuff. So that, that helped me. I got stranded because I was getting my hair done. I was getting, a, I was in the shampoo bowl <laughs> next to the, um, Executive producer of Stranded, who was a friend, Tim Flack. He was a casting director and just a, the funniest human in the world. And we were getting shampooed, and he went, "What are you doing?" And I went, "You know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know." And he went, "You got time to do a little rewrite?" And I went, "Yeah, sure." And he went, "All right." And then that was it. And then that's uh, so how I got stranded. And we went to Tahiti together, and you know. Lonnie
0: Anderson and uh, Perry King,
1: yes, as
0: exes stranded on a tropical island. I got to watch about ten
1: minutes of it today. <laughs> in a balloon, they were in a balloon. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness! And when Lonnie said, "I remember being at Lonnie with, with with Lonnie and Burt Reynolds when they were together," and 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 I said, "You know, Lonnie, you're so beautiful." But she's a pretty girl, and I said, "You're so mm-hmm. pretty." I said, "It's going to be great because when you're stranded in of because she always had a full face of makeup and hair I said you're just gonna have like maybe like like berries on your cheeks and lips and she went no my makeup case floats it floats to shore <laughs> and I went no but but seriously you, you know because you're so pretty Lonnie and we're used to this Lonnie and that'll be the Lonnie we see in the at work but then on the island you'll let your hair it floats and I went, okay oh yucky! No
0: that explains a lot that explains lost really it explains a lot of like stranded yeah. on a desert island yeah. where where there apparently was still makeup oh. uh well, oh yeah
1: to make it perfect You're right yeah. exactly. i mean I really i had it all planned out but
0: um, from there, after Stranded, that's when you got to work on it's Gary Shanley show, right? Or or was it around the yes, same time? I, mean, I don't
1: remember the order, but yeah, Then, sure I, did, no. then I did Gary, and Matt. <laughs> I, Matt, I got because I was I used to see him at Hugo's restaurant in West Hollywood when I lived in West Hollywood, and mm-hmm. I, I guess he did too. Mm-hmm. And we must have had a mutual friend, but then we would talk every time one of us would pass each other's table. I mean, that was it. And then, oh, I know he called me and he said do you have a snake man i have a snake on my property and i went oh i'll find you a snake man so i you know found the snake man and then he went do you want to write on this show i'm doing and i went okay sure and that yeah that was the yeah. beginning of a it's of like a his two style. two
0: things on his list he was like get rid of snake find new writer
1: right it was, it was just beginning you know but it it you know it ended it did not end well but but my yes, parents, right. you know, I, but I did get to write two of the first six episodes, and, right. and that was it was wonderful.
0: I, I'm curious wow. about that, like when you got let go from the show or were forced to quit. Um, like how did a
1: stick on my shoulder? That's why I was forced to quit.
0: Right, because right. one of the right. actors put
1: his his penis on your shoulder, like a little penis right here. Tap yeah. me. I look. Everybody laughed and laughed and laughed. As you would yeah. when you saw a penis on, on, on a woman's shoulder, and uh, and then the next day, Brad Grey, like Brad Grey, called me. He was one of the producers with Bernie Brolstein, and called me in the office. And I said, "I hear there are problems." And I go, "Well, yeah. I mean, that they're calling scenes with women slit scenes, and you know, they're just yeah. I it, there are mm-hmm. problems. There's a, there's and, a well, slight misogyny in the air, <laughs> right? But you know, it was also Gary. Gary, because um, Alan Zweibel is a great guy, and, and, and Gary and I always got along, but Gary loved young comics. That's who he liked. And he, you know, they, if you didn't date a Laker girl, something was wrong with you. You know, like, I don't know how Zweibel got away with having a real wife. But <laughs> so they, were, so they were that. Those were the kind of, not even frat boys, just gross boys.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, but- not, not everybody, but yeah, some.
0: But when he calls you into his office to talk about the problem, then he basically
1: says, yeah, you should quit. Yeah, we have a problem here. And I'm like, oh God, thank you, Brad. Yeah, we do. And he said, so what are you gonna do about it? And I went, what am I gonna do about it? And he right. went, well, you're gonna have to quit, right? No, like, oh, am I? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, this didn't turn out the way I planned. <laughs> I, I didn't see this coming. But you like, know, and what could I do at that time? This was the eighties, what could I do? I, I was baby wider, and they were Brostein Gray. They were the biggest producers, you know. They had every movie, Ghostbusters, and you know, what was I going to do? And so, yeah. So I mean, how did you like? So you,
0: so you, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted by that happening. Um, like I would be a complete lawsuit today, I would imagine. Wow. Yeah,
1: uh, would. And again, I, I didn't have the. What could I I'd do? I had worked. I had like three jobs. Yeah. All minimum writer's wage, which is still more than a coal miner, but you know. Right,
0: right. So did you like, how long did it take for you to get a job on another show? And I mean, did, I did I it take it long?
1: Did. It wasn't that long um, because it was still a good credit. You know, they don't care how, what happened. They just, it was mm-hmm. a good credit. And, and what I did is in every single writer's room I was in from then on, I always told that story they made it funny but it was also like you know like in game of thrones where they you know you put a somebody's head on a spike in front of your castle to prove yeah you mean business and so i always would tell that story and people would laugh i mean the few women on the writing staffs would be but right and then they knew that i i was saying you can't, there's nothing you can do to me that I can't take. There's just nothing, you know? And so just whatever.
0: Yeah, but I just gotta think that that's gotta be so, like, it's gotta be kind of a, a demoralizing time, you know?
1: It was demoralizing, but again, it's a different, it was a different world where I, I, you know, A woman in the room i was the only woman on staff there um this is what you took this is what what it was it was if it had been sexual if it had been overtly sexual if i thought they were coming on to me or it was you know right but it but it it was there was nothing sexual about it it was a joke it was to get that actor one of the guys to laugh yeah Mm -hmm. And so I could see that's all they wanted. I never once felt sexually threatened, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. So, you know. Was it a better situation on Murphy Brown? Murphy Brown was the best experience I've ever had. Oh, Um, yeah? Yeah. The most fun. The most, most fun. You
0: had, I watched your uh, uh, JVS speech at Screwball Center, and you were talking about how there were some. There were some you know, you'd be in some writing rooms where the show would be really successful and it wouldn't be so great. And then some where the show was gonna go nowhere, but it was like the best experience that you had. So much fun. Yeah. Was Murphy Brown kind of one of those it was the, just best, the best of best both worlds? Of both.
1: Yes, it was the best of both worlds. Because I've been on a lot of flops that we just would laugh, that you'd have I'd have to come home and say to my husband, he'd say, How was your day? I go, it's oh, that's fine. Because you can't say I extended my life by five years. That's how hard I laughed for how long, because they were so funny. You know, on, on my wife and kids, they were so funny, those writers and Damon Wayans. And it, on a show like Eve, which was hardly, you know, making headlines, but those writers were so, we had so much fun in the room. So yeah. when
0: those, and when those shows didn't take off the way, and I'm sure when you're having that much fun, you're thinking we're having this much fun. The audience is going to have this much fun. This, this is, this is all going to work or uh, maybe you don't think that, but I would think that at least. Is it like, how how do you reconcile when people aren't getting, they're not laughing the same way you are and they're not enjoying the same way you are. And you're thinking
1: what, what went wrong? Well, first of all, the joke is, is that, you know, you're doing it in front of an, uh, an audience. You're doing it in front of 250 people who are there because they like that show. Mm-hmm. right so they're right. screaming with laughter and I always I mean I never work. I never well, we all test why we, we used to do it shows we used to like go okay let's see your fake laugh let me hear your fake laugh so I know what it is and then we know our real laugh but I, I if I laughed I was laughing for real yeah. Um, yeah But then you you know whether the actors just weren't good enough um you know, because when budgets were small, and especially like Eve was on UPN, nobody wanted to work on UPN. Warner mm-hmm. Brothers wasn't giving us the budget that you you know where you could get, uh, you know, better actors or better whatever. But everybody did their best. Nobody ever phoned it in. I was never on one of those shows.
0: And you go from like Murphy Brown right into Frasier. So you, I mean. That's a, that's a pretty good couple of shows. I would, I would think back
1: Yeah. Frasier wasn't as much fun because I did it for the wrong reason. I did Frasier. I had been offered, I had another job on, on, on a show that only lasted one season, but um, when, when they called me from Frasier and said, this was, it's, Fifth year, sixth year, fifth or sixth year, Mm -hmm. and come on, you know. And I knew the people; I knew a lot of the people. And how do you turn that down? You know, they bust you down a rank. You know, you don't have your right credit, and because they're giving you this great job. Mm. But I had nothing. I loved watching the show, and I still do. But there wasn't anything in me that wanted to put words. Like when I thought, God, this situation would be so funny if it was Niles Crane.
2: You know, there was uh, Murphy,
1: stuff. Murphy had a big mouth and she right. had these funny sidekicks. You know, a wife and kids, it was a family. I, you know, I could, I can joke about that forever. And kids and husbands and whatever. Yeah. I, I can make those jokes, you know, um, till death, which was a, a show. But again, it's a family. It's husband mm-hmm. and wife. I can, mm-hmm. I can, like, I, I get that. But on um, Fraser, I didn't. So I was wrong to take it. I shouldn't have taken it. Yeah. And, and s- is that why you left eventually? Or No, I left because I wasn't picked up. But, but, uh, but I had talked that the uh, executive producer, Chris Lloyd, took me aside and went, You know, you're not going to be picked up, but you're doing it all. And I said, I, Of course, I'm not going to be picked up. I get that. I shouldn't be. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, did, I never stopped trying, I never stopped working hard. But they also worked differently. I had a hard time because I'm used to working off the energy in a room. Mm. You know, somebody says, okay, we gotta do this scene, or oh, what about? Well, this is what happened to me once. Well, this is what happened to me. Oh, what if she does this? And then you come back with a funny line. And Frazier, it was very quiet, it was very cerebral. You sat quietly and thought of what the scene would go. And then somebody like Joe Keenan. Would just pitch out an entire scene with dialogue that would be brilliant after a 15-minute lull. And after the first minute, I'm thinking, do I want to roast chicken tonight? <laughs> you, remember I want to eat. you remember the Jefferson Market in New York had great chickens. And then I would be, I can't do that. I just not built that way.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, and that was that's that's me, not them.
0: Um, so yeah. your your latest project is hacks.
1: Well, yeah, and that one I lucked into too. I gotta tell you, I just um I always say that I'm just the old lady whisperer on hacks. I I, I got a call out of the blue. I mean CIA CAA had already not picked up my deal after we the writers guild had we all had to mm. fire our agents. And I always said I was in the CAA witness protection program, like we like to uh hire <laughs> Janice Hirsch. Janice Hirsch, we've never heard of her, we don't know where she is. <laughs> you know, um, but, um, so I was shocked that they even called to tell me I wasn't being picked up because I thought I wasn't picked up. Um, although it was shitty, I mean, I'm old, I'm disabled, and I I've got a long career. But whatever. Um, so, Irwin Stoff, the guy who gave me my first job, one of his partners at Three Arts Entertainment, called and said, "Do you want to do just a couple weeks?" on Zoom, on this new show. Oh well, yeah, sure, what else am I do? Of course, it's pandemic, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, sure. And, oh my God, those people are so wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, Lucia Yello and Jen Statsky and Paul Downs are amazing. And they brought me on, they told me that they really only knew Joan Rivers as the red carpet lady. And then they saw the documentary mm-hmm. and they went, like, oh, wow, there's a lot we don't know. And so I was context, I was, context. Okay. I was on, as I said, the old lady whisperer. I mean, I knew when I watched, <laughs> when I watched um, the filming, when I watched the pilot and I said, and I thought, oh, I really am old because I like Jean Smart's clothes better than, <laughs> than I like Finders <laughs> <laughs> clothes. I like cute top and it's long enough to hide the hips. You know so um <laughs> it was just a delight, a delight start to finish, and those three they knew what they wanted, but they were curious, and they we we went through the whole season, it was great well so were you in the room essentially for that, or the virtual room for that, or I was in the virtual room only for two weeks okay only. really because jen and 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 Lucia and paul had they had all the episodes uh. Outlined and they, they okay. it, obviously
0: so they okay. had everything
1: outlined so they were just going over it and so it was it was a guy named Joe Mandy who played the hotel clerk on it and he was also an actor in Modern Family he was the boyfriend and he's really funny uh, yeah. Cole Escola who plays a lot of the drag parts on um, on uh, Amy Sedaris's show mm-hmm. and yeah he's he was he did it. And I guess, was it just us and those? Yeah, so it was just the six of us. And so, and then I don't, and then I guess they brought on some other people. I don't know. But we just went through the episodes and talked it out and what could happen and put them in order, you know, put, you did a, uh, you know, the boards on the, on Zoom so we could see what would happen. You know, they, but they had it all, they had it all arced out. They knew what was going to happen.
0: And did you, did the, transition to doing that all on zoom and having i guess digital post-it notes and boards and whatever was that a was that a pretty easy transition because i have to think it's so much different than anything in the past so it's
1: so much different i mean i didn't know how to use any of the virtual boards i didn't know how to do that i still Mm -hmm. don't um and like they would say oh no i posted it you could look on this and i didn't know where that was and like, if I look at another thing, does I, do I lose the screen? You know, so why would it have to ask. <laughs> but I did that, you know, one of my first show on Love, Sydney, I remember calling one of the producers that night, the first night and saying, what's post? And she said, it's where the horses line up before the race. And I went, like, hmm. And, you know, because I didn't know the <laughs> words, So I didn't know the word for this either. And I have no shame in asking. Either you figure it out or you just ask. But so, yeah, it was... It was lovely, you know. We would just talk, and uh, nobody had on makeup, and nobody had. I know you're shocked with the way I have my full face on. Um, <laughs> you know, you just were sitting in your house, and then we take an hour break and come back after lunch. It was, it was great.
0: It, have um, you have you noticed a, like a remark, like a, a, a big difference in terms of like how they used to? Obviously, your your first uh, um, or maybe your second um, sitcom writing job. You're basically on your own. And your showrunner is running off to Billy Idol concert. So that's probably a, a very big difference to now. But what what have, what have you noticed is like a big difference between like, you know. The,
1: the coolest thing is, is that I said to uh, Lucia and, and Jen, I went, this is so cool, two women. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, there, were, uh, there was always always one woman on a show. Mm-hmm. and And Lucia said, I've never worked for a male showrunner
2: hmm.
1: wow. and I tell my friends that and all of them get tears in their eyes. I mean, it's so amazing hmm. because that, it was always like, I, Oh, I already have a girl. Cause it was always, I was, it, it, I never knew any of the other female writers because there was only one, one girl per show. Wow. Well, they already got their girl. Oh, you want it? you can interview for the girl. Hmm. The girl. Always the. It was that, there was only one. Wow. I mean, Murphy, Murphy, obviously, when Diane, because the last year was Diane English running it. And it's a different kind of man who can work with, who's happy to work with women, Mm -hmm. in charge, but that, that didn't happen a lot when I was starting out.
0: So just to go back um, to uh, earlier in your career, um, I wanted to know because you worked on a pilot with Norman Lear uh, and I guess just for my own personal edification as I write my own pilots, um, what did you learn from writing that with Norman Lear? Like what, what, what did, what did you learn from that experience?
1: It's funny because, you know, I just had a, I had a pitch with him and Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel's wife, Mary, Mary whatever, really funny writer. Yeah. And, and she had a pitch, and so I was- a Molly McNeary is her name. Molly um, McNary was really funny. And, mm-hmm. and, and so then I was talking to Norman on the Zoom, and he said, remind me what we did together. And I told him it was double trouble. And he said, oh, we really thought that we could make those girls learn to act. And I went, yeah, <laughs> you know, Katie Seagal's little sisters. Uh Whenever I see Katie now, I go, How are the girls? She said, The girls are in their 50s. I go, Oh, (laughs) right. But what Gordon did is he just wanted you to tell the truth. All he ever said was, Tell the truth, tell your experience. The jokes will come, but just be real. And, you know, that kind of advice. I mean, he was just the most generous lovely man he is I mean he's just he's incredible wow yeah
0: that is yeah. awesome I thought I, I thought those twins were great but I was no critic of acting at the time that show was out <laughs> no, so. you,
1: were, you, were, you were of the because Brandon Tarnikoff was the was the executive and he would say keep the um leotards tight and the studio cold I well, well it worked <laughs> <laughs> and they're lovely you know genie is a genie is a director and liz is a writer i mean they're they're terrific but yeah awesome.
0: yeah um i have one last question that i skipped over uh and then if you guys have anything but um did you see a futile and stupid gesture it's the movie about national
1: lampoon or sort of yeah. like a, a yeah what did you what did you think Well, there was a hue and cry from all the lampoon people that I'm still who are still alive that I'm in touch with about it. You know, how could they do this and how could they do that and whatever. Mm. Um, I I think all the actors were good. I think it was I I, Tony Hendry, the late Tony Hendry and I were writing a, a a a. comedy a drama about comedy uh about the early days of the lampoon and fictionalized version because he was an editor and i was the girl so he never knew like he said we didn't have a xerox machine i went and, yeah we did because i had a xerox so, <laughs> um and he said you know we would have editorial meetings i went really you worked on this i don't have, i never i never heard about that so we were writing and we worked with the the producers of that lampoon movie and they sort of wanted us off the map so they they said well we're gonna we're gonna try to sell this right after this then we'll sell this and of course it was just about getting that movie on I it uh, you know some of the people were good yeah the people were good I mean Joel McHale wasn't he Chevy yes yeah mm-hmm. I mean, he certainly knew Chevy yeah. Um I didn't really see the point of it mm. You know, I mean they did a guild movie with Jamie Gertz, a movie of the week years and years and years yeah, ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which they said, Oh, we're not gonna hire you for, it, but can you tell us stories? Oh, no. <laughs> I can tell you stories.
0: <laughs> <Not> you. <laughs> <I'm> no. <laughs> Unless they pay you, you you, you right. know, you're not do yeah. I, you know. <clears throat> But, yeah, it uh, did seem like uh it seemed like just like a like any story about like a comedy group it's like look at all the crazy stuff we did and it didn't seem like it was like ultimately a big narrative reason for yeah. the for the movie.
1: Yeah, because Drunk Stone Brilliant Dead, did you see that?
0: I have not seen that, but I know Oh, it's yeah. really good
1: and and because it's about Doug who had this brilliant beginning and then this you know, he had an arc, that's a character arc, you know, yeah, yeah. when you jump off a cliff in Hawaii, that, that's a good ending. Um, and so <laughs> that was really a well-made, a well-made documentary um, because it had a good story. Mm-hmm. And this, that movie, I think was just imitations. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody cared, like I have, my son is 28, he didn't give a shit well i was happy because somebody had crutches in the background so i was happy because those are mine so i was happy i saw that that (laughs) um
0: anything from you guys anything else no this has been an absolute yeah so so great yeah yeah I I, I could go on for another hour, but I want to be sensitive to time.
1: It's a hardship for me to talk about myself for an hour. I'm so sorry. (laughs)
0: No, it was awesome. Thank you so much. We're so happy that you agreed to talk with us. This is something that, as you know, I wrote you about in March when we talked about girls just want to have fun. And I've been occasionally tweeting out to you, just like, I hope one day I'll get to talk with her about, about this movie. So I'm so glad that you uh, we finally connected. This was so great. I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, thank you, you so much.
1: You guys are nuts to be doing this, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> and, uh, and I hope that uh, we meet in person someday.
0: Yeah, yeah, us too. Yeah, and I hope that maybe, you know, we can change Cindy Lauper's mind about Chud. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> there's time
1: stand for something, something, human, uh, human
0: cannibalistic, human. cannibalistic, underground human. dwellers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're changing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I was trying to remember what it was because during our episode, Erica, were just trying to come up with as many uh, variations on yeah. the the uh, breakdown of Chud that you could come up with. So uh, <laughs> that, all I was thinking of was your breakdowns of what yeah. Chud could mean. Um, but anyway, uh, so again, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you for this. It
1: was fun. And again, I'm, I'm serious. I eat three meals a day. So. Anytime you feel like hanging out,
0: call me. Oh, yeah, thank, you thank you so much. So that good. is so kind of you. Thank you. We really appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Take care. All right. You too. Take care. Right. Thanks so bye. much. Bye. Bye. And that is us talking to Janice Hirsch. What, amazing. So amazing. amazing. So amazing. She is, she's, it was just the best. And uh, could have talked with her for another three hours. Oh, at easily. least. At, at least. She was just terrific. As Mark said. And I, th- I thought her makeup looked amazing. It did actually look really incredible. <laughs> she looked yeah.
2: amazing. She's so smart and funny and sassy and just down to earth despite being immersed in Hollywood for such a long time. Yeah. She's great.
0: Yeah. She's terrific. And we were just so happy that she got to talk. We got to talk to her and that she talked to us. It was awesome. It was a thrill for us. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Please rate and review us if you get a chance to Wherever you can rate and review us Wherever you feel that's necessary Even if you just want to Fill out a blank form of the DMV And (laughs) rate and review us there We would appreciate it Um, (laughs) Wherever you feel It's necessary to rate and review us We'd appreciate that Um, If you get a personalized license plate That says NWPP (laughs) Cast Cast I will personally fly to wherever you are in the lower 48 states and come and shake your I'm hand. Sorry, Hawaii and Alaska. I apologize. It, but it will be we'll awkward. <laughs> right. Because he will find, Mark will find where you live. And there will be a one to two person film crew. Small crew, small crew, but still nonetheless, a little imposing. Um, so, so that, Hey, somebody take that challenge NWPP cast. Uh, <laughs> uh, and cast. so if you can do that and also rate and review us at the DMV while you're there, we'd appreciate it. And we'll see you next time in the new world pictures podcast. Bye.